Welcome to the Creative Genius Captivated podcast. My name is Yiqing Zhao, a miserable medical student turned award-winning actor, filmmaker, and creativity coach. While my name literally means artistic youth in Chinese, it took me almost a decade to find my calling and path. I help multi-hyphenates overcome burnout, unleash their creativity, and become unstoppable using mindset and customized strategies. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Creative Genius Captivated Podcast. This is Yiqing, and today I have the pleasure to invite Jeffrey Dreisbach, casting director with McCorkle Casting, also a podcast host himself. Hi, Jeffrey. Hello, Yiqing. So nice to be with you today. Oh, so good to have you. I was thrilled to have you on the show because I was a guest on your show yes, in a you were. different way because That's I sent right. you a self-tape. See, I'm a podcaster that doesn't have guests on my show. I'm My ego is way too fragile. <laughs> But what I love to do is to analyze actors and performers and they use and they send their self-tapes to me and I evaluate them. So it's really so much fun to be able to take a look and critique an actor's work via self-tape. Yeah, I was, you know, and here's the thing. I've been wanting to ask you because I remember sending you a different tape, but then yes. you ended up choosing the, the comedy tape instead of the drama tape. Now, can you tell me why? So there are a couple of reasons. One is yeah. the podcasting side of things is I would love if, if I'm successful in the podcast and I'm so happy to have celebrated 75,000 downloads of the podcast. <gasps> Congratulations. Thank you. Just on Thursday. So I'm like over the moon. But part of the other reason is I, I want to be positive and entertaining and I want and comedy is just harder. You know, I think it's harder to translate comedy via a self-tape for actors. So I just thought for all those reasons, um, plus I just, I love the work that you did on the piece. So I was drawn to that. Not that the other one wasn't right or good. It was very good. But this one, I think, had some additional entertainment value that I thought people could respond to. Oh, thanks so much. Because I, you know what, I felt when you chose that piece, I was like, you know what, he's right. Because I felt better with that piece. Like I felt so I was having much more fun. That is the secret, right? Yeah. Um, and I tell actors this all the time. If I could have been able to figure out how to teach the joy of performance, um, I would be a very, very wealthy man right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But when I see actors bringing their own creative joy into the work. It doesn't have to be a comedy piece. It could be any work. But when I get a sense that the actor is really in it and really has that sense of um, understanding what it is to be a creative person, um, I respond to that because I started as an actor. I made my living as an actor for 20 years before I went into casting. So I can kind of bring both sides of the table into it. So I definitely have an empathetic response to those actors. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your acting years? Because I'm very curious to know. Well, so I, I wanted to be an actor ever since I was in like elementary school. It's something I just always wanted to do. It was like a forever thing. So even in junior high and in high school, everything was geared towards me wanting to be a performer. Um, so then I got a BFA degree and then I came to New York in my early 20s. And I was really lucky that it was in the first 
I don't know, month of living in New York City, which I had never been to before. I just, I literally pulled up with a van full of furniture, not knowing where I was going to live. (laughs) And I found an apartment, I don't know how, and I started auditioning. And within about a month, I was under contract with Radio City Music Hall as a singer-dancer. And I was under contract, that was my very open call audition. And from that point on, I, knock on wood, I was very, very lucky to continue to work for over 20 years. I did lots of regional theater, and then I started doing more film and television work in New York. Um, and I did off-Broadway, and then, of course, my, my Broadway show, my first Broadway show was called A New York Summer. My second Broadway show was called A Few Good Men. I was in the original cast of A Few Good Men, and I did over 500 performances as Kendrick in A Few Good Men. And so that kind of was the sum and total of my acting career. So I am not embittered. I'm not one of those casting directors who started as an actor and then became very embittered by their acting and then became a casting director. That's not my story at all. I just love the business. And in fact, I met Pat McCorkle and she said, well, why don't you just come on in and help me out in the office? And McCorkle Casting had been a well-established casting director since the early 80s, all the way through. And so Pat literally invited me to come in and start working with her. Um, Full disclosure is that Pat McCorkle cast me as her husband 26 years ago. (laughs) 26 years. That's a long 26 time. years wow. ago. Yeah, yeah. That never gets old. Plus, I'm thinking she might be in the next room and listening in. So I have to make sure I get that really, really right. <laughs> That's just a fabulous story of how, you know, we as artists, how our romance can, how our careers in romance can get so interestingly intertwined. Completely. And it's really just about showing up. You know, my favorite phrase is you can start your day over at any time. Yeah. So that has saved me a lot. And as that relates to my relationship with Pat, you know, she was casting me in projects and and I was booking jobs through her office. And then that relationship just continued to grow. And I, I fell in love. And, you know, she finally said yes. And it was that around that time that I decided I was going to try something else other than acting. So it really, the transition was really easy for me to make. And you know what? I haven't looked back. It's been an amazing journey now of being a casting director for I guess it's close to 13 years now casting with Pat. Yeah, I think, well, see, here's the thing. What I was getting is that she was casting you and then eventually she cast you as her husband. (laughs) You did not approach her as the desperate actor because that would never have, you know, worked out or would never evolve into your personal. That's correct. Yeah, Yeah. it was really all about trying to keep that separate. In fact, a couple of times, she would bring me into audition for something and I knew her and she, we liked each other a lot, but we both pretended in our auditions that we didn't know each other. That's, that's really a great tip. And not just because you were auditioning for her, but right. also I know couples who have been married a long time and they do this just to rekindle their sparks. It rekindles the sparks. But for us, it was like I didn't want any I was sort of uh, my ego. Right. I did not want any producer or director to think that there was an undue influence. Neither did she. I wanted to earn the job just like any actor in any situation. So, I mean, 
it, it's kind of hilarious that we would come in and I would say things like, nice to meet you. And we've known each other for 10 years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's weird. It was a weird situation, but we both thought that that was the right thing to do at that time for sure. Right, 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 right. So why casting? Why not something else? Well, apparently because of this, but is there anything else that? You know, I, I love, I really mean this. I love finding new talent. Mm -hmm. I love being able to give back what I got, but what also what I didn't get. Um, and that's why I love teaching so much. It's that, that ability to share the experience to somebody who's creative, who might just not have all of the information. So that when I see uh, a young talent and I bring them in for an audition, for example, and then I see them blossom, uh, it's, it's really genuinely rewarding and thrilling and exciting. Plus, I just love the business. I think this is an excellent time to be an actor, despite everything that we've been through, COVID and the political situation and everything that we're dealing with. We are seeing so many exciting, wonderful scripts cross our desks um, and so many projects that we're working on that I think for a, a creative person, this is the right time because of all that political negativity and all that stuff that we're dealing with. I think we're going to see all kinds of creative energy flowing into uh, the business. And that's exciting for me. Yeah. I, and I think that's, you know, a lot of times we feel like because the outside world is uncertain and we are dealing with things and that hinders our creativity. But I think it's the opposite. Like right, we can I use agree. it. Right. We can use it. 100%. Yeah. And um, I think also actors have been slapped down and beaten up and proverbially speaking. Right. But but so my message, both in, in my work as a casting director, but also even in the podcast is that I, I try to express how this is a positive move forward for the creative person. Yeah. And that's what makes the work rewarding. And that's also what makes just my, my, my universe really rewarding because I love it so much. Yeah. What is your favorite or most interesting casting story? Wow. So I am the person in our office who does the EPAs, the equity principal auditions. Now, everything has gone virtual, right? So we received self-submit videos. So when COVID first hit, Pat decided that we should do general auditions via self-tape. It makes me laugh because, you know, there's no tape involved, but everyone says self-tape now. Um, I guess saying digital video audition is too difficult to say. <laughs> So anyway, so we decided to do general auditions and I'm the person who does the EPAs or did the EPAs before COVID. So now we decided to do general auditions. And so we put the word out that we, anybody who wanted to submit to our office, we were open and willing to take a look at their audition via self-tape. We thought we'd get 400 or 500 submissions in 48 hours. Yiching, we had 11,000 actors submissions. <laughs> you had 11,000 11, in your inbox? Yes. And yes. your inbox did not crash? No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what kind of inbox I got, but it's a monster apparently. So here's the thing. So guess what? Our office, which consisted of five people, our office staff went through over the next four months, and we saw every one of those submissions. 
And what's so amazing about that, I mean, I didn't see all 11,000, clearly, right? But I saw A through F. (laughs) But what made it amazing is that we set up a database for ourselves. And in that database, we listed every actor whose work we saw. We, We gave notes on their work. We wrote down what they did, if they had representation or not. We had brief description of their acting. All of that stuff that is a database now that we can still use and still do use. So that to me was kind of an overwhelming experience, but boy, the payoff was pretty amazing. I guess the only other stories that I can share that I, from my side of it is I did an EPA and we, this is for the Pittsburgh Public Theater and the, the director did not like any of the choices that we brought in through agent submissions. And so we were like, okay, now what? But I had conducted the EPA and I saw this one actor And I brought that actor in to audition. He booked the job, but not only did he book the job, but Pat called an agent friend up and said, you have to see this young actor. Immediately after the audition, the actor books that theater. He then goes to meet the agent in New York. The agent signs him on the spot, sends him out on a television audition, and he books it. Wow. All in one day. Wow. All because of an EPA that I sat through and saw the talent. So I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but that's a moment of where somebody just clicks, really worked hard, very, very talented young man. And now he's off to the races, so to speak. But I I think Pat even has just a list, as long as your arm, with actors um, who have gone on to bigger and better things. Uh, For example, Pat did a movie called um, school ties. Um, Stanley Jaffe directed. Um, Stanley Jaffe at the time was a big mucky muck in, at Paramount Pictures. And so Pat found and discovered Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Brendan Fraser, all in the same movie. So even now, Pat gets calls from reporters, also Chris O'Donnell, Anthony Rapp. These were actors that she discovered and put in this movie. It was their very first film. And so those are the kinds of stories that that just knowing that there's something special about that talent. And it is actually the talent is ready for the next best thing. It's not just about discovering talent yeah. is the question becomes, is the talent ready, ready. for the next best thing? Yeah. And so that's another example. Plus Pat found a Linda Hunt who won the Academy Award for a film she cast called The Year of Living Dangerously. Um, so there's all kinds of stories. Like she gave Callista Flockhart her equity card. You know, <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's the side, that's the show busy side of things. Yeah. But for the thousands and thousands of of success stories, there are even 10 times that of actors who are just working to get better at their craft. So it's not about getting discovered in my mind. It really is about just finding that unique, special talent that is appropriate, that is right, that fulfills the vision of whatever that project is. That's my job. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's these stories are just so inspiring to hear. 
Good, and I think, glad. yeah, and I think for actors, you know, I always like to think that when you're ready and you keep in that state of being, of being always ready, your opportunity will come knocking on your door at the most unexpected moment. 100%. I've seen it happen too many times to think differently than that. It, it is so true. I mean, actors are so excited about the opportunity, but if a casting director brings an actor in for an audition, the casting director literally is saying, I think you can play this part. It's not a job that you have to sort of win us over. The casting director is already on your side if a casting yeah. director brings you in for an audition. And so it's not this us versus them thing. But then the other question is, I would only bring an actor into audition if I believe, for whatever way, I believe that that actor can show up on the set and deliver the goods, yes. do the job. Mm -hmm. So that's why all of these stories are so inspiring on some level. But on the other level, I'm not going to jeopardize my casting career right. to take chances that are not going to pan out. It's not that I don't take risks. The risks come when the director or the producer says, I, don't, I just want to see good actors. That's when I get really, really excited when there's no, the parameters are a little loose. Yeah. Sometimes I'm feeling like a, a secretary just making appointments because the, the, the vision of what they're looking for is so very, very narrow sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it varies for casting directors as well as actors. Yeah. How do you work with directors, producers? Is that any different? Because, you know, we would like to think casting directors work with actors so much, but you also work with producers, showrunners. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, See, we directors. get hired by the, our job is because exactly. we are hired by the producer. So yeah. our allegiance is for fulfilling the vision of what that project is. Um, agents obviously are there and representing the actors. So um, as a casting director, I think having um, a master's degree in psychology is a really great idea if you're interested in being a <laughs> casting director, because the best casting directors are the ones in which you let the director think it was their idea to cast that actor. This is like psychology of, yes. of you know, not necessarily schmoozing, but like, oh, no, like, I don't know, selling or it's selling, it's but it's, selling. Al it's also being part of the team and not letting your ego get into the in the way of the process of fulfilling the vision of the project. And so, Serve so the many, big picture. Yes. And so yeah. so being a team player is, of course, critically important. But also being able to recognize the talent and, and make interesting choices that are going to be inspiring for the producer and the director. For example, mm -hmm. in the fall, I don't know if you know this play, uh, Agnes of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of the course. famous play. Yeah. We're doing the Broadway revival coming in the fall. Wow. And so we are looking for some name talent to play the older uh, nuns. Um, but we're looking for now a young actress who probably is going to become a Broadway star as yeah. a result of getting this job. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very careful and very thorough in finding the right actor that is going to be able to not only play the part, 
but assume the responsibility of what it is to play a lead on Broadway. Mm -hmm. So there's other mitigating factors that we that go into the process that yeah. sometimes people don't think about. I think, honestly, casting directors are personal shoppers. Exactly. We get hired. We need to go out and find the right fit, color, cut, and style. And then we bring those choices back for the producer to say, oh, that's perfect. That's not so much. Um, and so that's, I don't want to diminish what we do, but that's basically the way to think of casting. So it's also not just about whether this actor can act, but also whether this actor can perform under pressure, can be a team player, because regardless of what you do, you have to, can take direction well. You know, Yiching, when the thing of it is, this, this is, I think this is a really useful piece of information. Yeah. When I went from being an actor to now sitting behind the table as a casting director, the number one question I got asked after every actor left the room after their audition was, how are they to work with? See, we, are, we know their resume. We know the kinds of roles they play. We know their training. We know who they trained with. We have all that information. But working and playing well with others is the number, number one, one question that gets asked. And so it's, it's not just about the talent. It's about that creative energy going into being a good person. You said it, working with others, team player, and as, as trite as that may sound, because you know what? 30 years ago, producers were willing to put up with the pain in the ass because the actor was so brilliant. Mm -hmm. But now the way the talent is, and there's so many talented actors out there, um, that doesn't become as important an issue anymore. It's really yeah. about we're, no one has the time to put up with somebody who's difficult. True. And it's also about making everybody's job easier. Right. That's the most valuable, one of the most valuable assets. You know? I think that's so true. You're yeah. right. Absolutely I, right. I Now that I am making films and everything and working with more people and, you know, networking. And I really, a lot of times I, when I direct actors, my number one, the number one thing I'm thinking is, okay, is this person, can this person take action well? And can this person handle the pressure if we're going to have a 14 hour day? And can this person you know, help me promote and be a team player. And is this first person fun to be around? Right. That's so important. Yeah. Uh, someone once asked me recently, I uh, was in a seminar uh, with many, many people in the seminar. And the question that I was astounded by was, what was um, the biggest now, let, me, let me get the way that this was questioned correctly, because it was just kind of an astounding <laughs> question. But it was, what's the biggest secret to show business? Mm -hmm. And my answer was, the biggest secret in show business is that everyone is afraid. That's true. The producer is afraid they're going to lose their shirt. The director is afraid they're going to have a flop. The actor is afraid they're not going to book the job. Or when they book the job, are they going to be good at their job? Everyone is operating under this fear. Um, and so the question then becomes, if you believe what I'm just telling you, which I believe is true, because yeah. I've experienced it, I'm experiencing it every day, is what can you do to help alleviate the fear? What can you do to help remove some of those fear things that we are all, we are all operating under? And so once you figure that out, 
everything changes. Your perspective changes, your view of the experience. And I'm sure as a director, you realize once you have that right team, that right combination, that right energy, it's like magic. Amazing creative things can happen in that environment when you have that perspective, I think. You know, I was told our show business is all about elevating. And I think that's what you said about yes. because there's so much uncertainty and it's that's so right. volatile and everybody, you know, I, I've heard so many producers telling me they lost funding overnight and they just got like five years older because they're about to shoot in two weeks and they lost funding. Oh my gosh, we've had that experience ourselves. From our perspective, it's it's and especially when we have young filmmakers who don't have a lot of producing experience. Um, a lot of the independent films, and we've done many, 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 many. We've done over seventy-five feature films. Uh, many of them are independent feature films that have gone on and done good things. But lately, it's been amazing that we are being hired to find the person that's going to help finance the picture. Now, the problem with that is it puts us in a really awkward situation. First, we don't want to use our resources, our time, mm, yeah. our creativity, and our relationships with agents and managers of famous people mm -hmm. to try to get a film finance. That puts us in a position of being a producer, not a casting director. Exactly. So it's very, we have to be really, really careful. Now, if there's a, a film that is really so great, uh, that maybe has some kind of social impact or or some kind of this film that we had worked on for a long time called Renner. It's mm -hmm. just a fantastically well-written script. And we love every second of the script, but it's dependent on somebody well-known to play the lead part. Well, the question is that we ask the producer is say, well, what is in it for this famous actor? Yeah. What if it's a role that they've played before? You're not going to get that actor because the actor is going to say, I've played that role. So finding and, and sort of navigating those waters can be really, really challenging sometimes. Now, I don't want to sound like it's a discouraging thing, but it's kind of the reverse is true. If they are saying once we get a star, then we can finance. Our attitude is, no, get your financing in place so that we can have carte blanche on who we put in the roles. Um, somewhere in the middle, I think is the right answer, but it's, it's, it's an ever shifting tide. That's for sure. And that's the thing is that there's no success formula in right. our industry. And this catch 22 situation, I was, um, I'm a member of the Gotham, um, and yeah. we were at the narrative peer to peer producing producer meeting last night. And this topic has been brought up like five times by five different people because everybody's facing this. Oh, you got to have the financing first and the actor. And they're like, well, but what if I can have a name talent to help me with financing? No, they're not going to do that. You know, <laughs> or it, here's my favorite. If they just read my script, they would jump at the chance. And I, with all due respect, and, and I love the fact that everyone's enthusiastic about their own work, but, you know, our egos are also part of the situation. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of really fantastic scripts out there. So it's the idea of, oh, my script is so much more better than anybody else's is kind of not helpful to us no. in casting as well. Yeah, that's, that's again, that's the ego playing the that's part. That's yeah. true, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, the next question I am going to ask on behalf of a lot of actors, myself included, 
is that do you or not just you, but like casting in general, cast a part before the deadline? Do you watch tapes as they come in and, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, great. That's a great question. The answer is yes, we usually do because especially if there is a time frame for our actual casting. So as they come in, we watch them. But that is the good point that you're bringing up. If you're one of those people who procrastinate to the last minute, the chances are higher that you're not going to get the same focus and attention as if it were done earlier than asked for. So if you can beat the deadline, the chances go up considerably. It's not that we don't watch all of them. But to be frank, I can tell within 15 or 20 seconds of someone's video if it's fitting into what I know to be the criteria for playing that role. And it's not a harsh thing. It's not a mean thing. I don't I never talk in terms of type. You know, I never talk in terms of I've never heard anyone in our office talk about the talent itself. Talent is assumed. Yeah. And a submission. Yeah. But being right is different. And the being right happens a little more when you submit earlier than when you wait. It's just the nature of mathematics, I think. That's also what's what was told to me by um, one of my co-producers, because we are submitting a film that I made earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And she told me, catch the early bird deadline. You're not only going to save money, of course, the submission fees, you're also going to be seen earlier. And they fill those uh, selection spots very quickly. Well, uh, you know what that's like when you go to the grocery store, right? Yeah. You have maybe you have a list of things, but you always seem to gravitate to those things that you know you need. And if you, and and once those things are in your cart, okay, maybe this is a weird metaphor. <laughs> but once those things are in your cart, then you can go off and decide, but you make shorter decisions the longer you're in the store. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's no, that's a great metaphor. That's uh, I think everybody should hear this and see, that's the thing. How do you manage those meeting those deadlines and being living a life, you know, and managing other things? And I think this is a practical question for a lot of actors. You know, and this is going to sound so simplistic and, and yet it isn't. Um, and that is the balance has to be struck that, that, I think the creative person must have a constant and consistent creative outlet. Yeah. But equally important are those just day-to-day -day issues of living. Mm -hmm. And I think just having it clearly laid out for yourself, because I think I used to think when I was an actor in my twenties, I would just show up at every audition. I would, I would just be this, funny, goofy guy at every audition. And I just kept on showing up to all of these different things, you know, and I really, it took me time to realize that I felt that if I had too much structure in my life, I would lose my creativity. It's and not, I discovered I that it's opposite. just the opposite. Exactly. The more structure I have in my day to day, the more I know when to turn on those creative juices and to, and to really uh, accomplish something. So it's not just this open-ended decision. It really is about the structure is what generates good creative process, in my opinion. 
And so it's, it's the balance. It really is just finding the balance. I mean, we're casting six feature films, two Broadway shows, and four regional theaters right now. There's only five of us in the office. That includes an intern. So we are up to our ass and alligators. Yeah. Okay, I hope that that was at least funny for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. We have to, at the end of the day, we have to make dinner. Yeah. You know, we have to to do life stuff. Um, and it's not about doing less, but it's about doing different. That seems to be manageable for our for our day to day. Otherwise, it would just be too insane. It's just our days are just crazy as it is. And I think, you know, really treating this whole thing as a business helps you set the structure and the system. If I were to say to Jeff at age 20, mm -hmm. the thing that I did not embrace was really having a thorough, full understanding about the business. Yeah. We spend so much time on developing our craft. We get our BFA degrees, but how many BFA degrees give a course in SAG-AFTRA equity contracts? You know, I have not heard of that no. or just the, the purposeful marketing for actors. So all of those business things, I just wish I had spent more time. I could not balance my own damn checkbook in my 20s. <laughs> and now here I am in the casting office negotiating all of our contracts with all of these film producers. So it's just weird how life takes these unusual turns. But that would be the one thing that I, which is partly why I love the podcast so much, because I really do try to take on business things as well as the creative things at the same time. I really try to, to infuse the podcast with as many of those. I'm really just trying to talk to young Jeff when I'm doing my podcast. That's basically what I'm doing. I can tell because I, you know, I've been following your show since 2020, I think. And those are short episodes. I listen to them when I walk my dog. Right. And, you know, and I believe probably a lot of people do that, which is, a, which is great. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's, I could tell that you were saying those words with a lot of love. That's how I felt. Well, I mean, I love actors, right? I love, I love what we do. And I'm so grateful that I, I find myself at my age in this situation uh, and being able to do a podcast and cast actors and projects. Um, it's very, very exciting. It really is. And this is a, a difficult time, like I alluded to earlier, but it's also, I think, some of the best writing I have ever come across is happening right now. And that's truly inspiring as well. I think difficult times give birth to strong people. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, things come out of those experiences, of, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about, I know you have an episode, uh, Catching the cat Catchphrase, Catch the Catchphrase. Uh -huh. And one of my favorite is that talent is about giving and career is about taking. Can you, you know, elaborate that, on that? So it's a little back step. Um, I only do bullet points for my podcast. I don't write it out. I just, mm -hmm. I, I want it to sound spontaneous. I, I leave in my verbal mistakes. I used to say YouTube all the time. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> I, mean, I, I left that in. I don't over edit my stuff and I don't have the time to give all the production values. I wish I could. I, I just decided, you know, it's about giving good content. And that particular catchphrase 
was spontaneous. I, I hadn't thought it through, I, but, but it really made sense to me. And I think if you were to really analyze why is acting an art, and you really think about it, and I don't want to get too esoteric here, but if you really think about acting as an art, in my view, my opinion, acting is about the giving of yourself into the material for others. Mm -hmm. So it's such a selfless act. When we talk about career, those are things that you are taking back. It's, and I don't mean to call it selfish in a deprecating or negative way. I'm saying that those are the rewards. The career becomes the external reward of the selfless giving. And so it's this give and take that are really, I think, important to keep in perspective. You know that some actors, they'll do the same role over and over again because they, they like doing the role. Maybe they feel they're creative in the role, but also let's just not beat around the bush. It's because they're making a lot of money. Yeah. It's not necessarily advancing their career. Maybe financial support is much more important. I remember financial support being the only thing I cared about when I was younger. But as the roles started coming in and there were challenging roles, I would give up higher paying jobs to do the art. And sometimes I said no to the art in order to get the higher paying jobs. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about understanding that when you give, that is contributing to something outside of yourself. And that's really um, noble. I mean, I can't say it in a better way than that. It's really noble. It's really honorable. Career is something that's external that comes back. And you're trying to control a career is oftentimes fruitless, but you can always be in control of your talent. You can always be in control of your creativity. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I was just chewing on that catchphrase and I was thinking it's about career is about taking also maybe about receiving. Mm, if we think right. of that, you really have to feel worthy. Otherwise, right. you would just subconsciously push those things away. 100%. That's right. And there's no, listen, there is zero shame in making a lot of money saying two lines on a television show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still getting residual checks from movies I did in the 80s. I'm not going, oh, I don't deserve it. I'm going, hell yeah, they're selling it. They're selling the movie Splash with Tom Hanks all over the place. I deserve that residual they, check. Of course. That, you know. that, sadly, those residual checks are getting smaller and smaller. I think the last one I got was like $17. <laughs> Which, if you think about it, that's, that's the price of a sandwich. Yeah, so, you know, yeah that's you true, get, too. Yeah. You're right. You're right. We do call them diminishing returns, but they're there, nevertheless. Yeah. So I think it's really, you know, thinking about that, that mindset will help take to help a lot of us actors to take off that kind of the money struggle and the, you know, all those indecision about taking this or taking that. But in the first place, when you are making decisions about should I take this or not, I think we should be very grateful that we have this opportunity in the first place. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's, and you know, a, that a good agent or a manager for talent is important if you have somebody that's there to help support your career choices. And not all agents do that. I mean, there's all kinds of mitigating factors that go into a career. But I think the actor that can um, cherish and continue to grow their talent 
eventually comes to the understanding of what it is to have a career. Yeah. And and the support of other like-minded individuals who really are in the game to support your talent and creativity, that becomes a perfect relationship. Casting directors love to bring the same actors in over and over and over again for that reason. It's not that we just have favorites. It's just that we have a subliminal embrace of their talent and their creativity. And we believe that there's going to be a vehicle for that actor. So the best compliment for any actor to get from a casting director's perspective is when we bring you back into audition for something else. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. And those are always the best moments. That's you know? always great. And even if you didn't book the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth, the casting director is still bringing you in because they like you. They, they think that there's just going to be the right thing for you. That's just something to celebrate as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah, it's true. So, I'm sort of the empathetic guy. When an actor comes into audition, I'm like, oh, they're so good. I'm so like, I'm so, I've got this like weird empathy. Pat and some of our other associates in our office, they're a little more pragmatic about it. I'm sort of the mushy guy. They're sort of very much, and I mean this in the loving way, very pragmatic about the approach to the work. I'm a little bit different, but I think it's a good balance. It, it is. It is. And we need that kind of balance in life and in work and in everything. Truly, yeah. truly right. So for those of you who have not tuned into your podcast, everybody should give Casting Actors Cast a listen. I've been following the show since 2020. That's it's so tremendously sweet. helpful for me. And they're short and sweet. And, you know, you will hear Jeffrey's lovely voice over and over again. So <laughs> do give it a listen. Thank you so much. <laughs> 20 minutes once a week free of charge on any podcast provider. And as long as I say this on every podcast, as long as there are people who are tuning in, I'm still doing this because I think it's important to continue to grow a community of like-minded folks. Um, and, and I'm so, so excited to have heard your episodes as well, Yi Jing. And it's so, so rewarding to now have a chance to really just talk with you and, and get to know you a little bit. Yeah. You were so helpful for my podcast. I got a Aww. lot of... I got a lot of listeners who listened in on that particular podcast and the feedback on your self-tape. Um, really? Those, those in general are really, really successful, even though they're audio. It's so weird because yeah. for those who don't know, as, as somebody will submit their self-tape and I evaluate it live. I don't, I don't watch it before I actually look at it live with everybody. Yeah. And then I critique and give my feedback on it. And those, those have become extremely popular. People really like those. So um, if anyone's interested in submitting, it's casting actors cast, all one word.com is the website and you can submit and get all kinds of stuff as well. Yeah, everybody should submit. If you're if you're thinking you should not submit, I think that's just you being lazy. That's really <laughs> and I, actors cannot afford to be lazy. Well, the thing of it is, is that there's some actors who who um, they want the feedback from me, but they don't necessarily want it to go on the air because I've got there's so many listeners. They're a little nervous about that. But the way I give feedback, you know, I talk about the positive things. I and I and I make suggestions about things that might be worth considering mm -hmm. to make it better. That's it. I don't, I am not like a, a hard critiquer because I think it's important to embrace the positive things as yeah. well as those things that could get better. So I try to make it a really evened balance 
uh, when I give the feedback. But still, some people are a little like, I don't know if I want to put that out there for thousands of people to hear. But, you know, I respect that equally. Well, I, I just so appreciate you giving the feedback. And that really helped me good. refine my brand in a way to know good. that what I'm good at. And now I'm doing more comedy. And I know this is something I want to do and I'm good at, you know, so 100% lift me up. So, and I think being critiqued by you and having that feedback really helped with that. So thank you for that. Good. It's my, my absolute pleasure. What is your parting quote to our listeners? Most of them are actors, but some filmmakers, you know, artists. Yes. Um, There are two that come to mind really quick. Um, I, I love this phrase, be a sponge. Um, in other words, remain open to every experience, I think is really, really helpful. Um, but I also think one of the phrases I heard early on in my career was learn by doing. Mm. It's one thing to think about a career. It's one thing to think about the kind of work that you want to do. It's one thing to spend time thinking about where you will see yourself uh, in the industry. It's another to just Pick up the paddle and paddle your own damn canoe. Yeah. Start doing something. Um, it doesn't matter what it is, but your, your creative energy needs to have an outlet. So what are you doing in order to learn? And I think learn by doing is the phrase that I would suggest everyone embrace just for 24 hours. Just use that just for 24 hours and let's just see what happens. I've, I've read it somewhere. It's called ready, fire, aim. <laughs> yes. So the ready fire is to you just start doing and then aim along the way. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Actors are like, well, I live in a small town and there's no theater here. And I really want to be an actor. I'm like, hello, there are zoom play readings and film script readings. There are classes worldwide you don't you don't have the same limitations you did when you, 40 years ago we had none of that yeah. so the, the excuses are getting thinner and thinner in my opinion it's just about embracing the next best thing for you and we talked about this earlier before we started and that is that i want you to i want every talented person to think about being where they want to be 3 years from now be and that start today. today. Yeah. Be that person today. Um, I, I love that as well. I think that's very useful also. Yeah, it's really the be, do, and have. So you yeah. got to be that person first and do that level of things. And then eventually you have the results. But most people think the other way around. <laughs> well, and and uh, I understand it too, I have to say. I, uh, I was a lazy actor. After I achieved a certain level of success, I honestly sat back and figured, okay, things are now just going to happen for me. Boy, was that a rude awakening on my part. Oh, yeah. I, I st started not taking care of myself. I started not thinking about it. I was showing up and doing stuff. And you know what? Slowly that eats away your soul. And unless you make it a perpetual energized commitment, it really can be very elusive. Yeah. And I just love the idea of being sort of just in a forward momentum, keep moving forward. Um, and, and that saves me personally and professionally. I was diagnosed three years ago, just around the same time I started the podcast with type two diabetes. Oh, and I was like, what? 
But actually, what, to be honest, when the doctor said you have type 2 diabetes, I said, I deserve it because I just love sugar so much. I was just this rabid sugar. I mean, I could do an entire pound of Hershey bar in one sitting. You know, that's, I mean, it's just crazy. So I just, I told Pat and she said, well, we're just going to, we're going to make it, we're going to change that. That day we changed our diet and I started walking every day. Since that time, I've lost 45 pounds and I do no longer have type two diabetes. I've actually cured myself. And so, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying it, it took a rude awakening to propel myself into making the right decision. And so I think there's a ways, there are ways that we don't have to hit a bottom before we decide to come out of it. I think that you can take it and analyze where you are at any given moment and mm -hmm. decide what would be the better choice now. And so that's why I'm just so grateful because I'm still walking my ass off every day. I'm doing three miles every morning. People, because I do this weird walk where I, I put my arms way up. People, people think I'm a crazy man. They leave me alone. It's great. It's good to be crazy in a good way. It really is. People are leaving me alone. I don't get bothered because they say, oh, my God, here comes this weird guy now. So it's perfect for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all should be a little, quote, unquote, selfish. I do. And, right. And being intentional with the choices we make. 100%. Not just live on autopilot, which is, you know, that that's not going to yield the results that you are wishful right. thinking about. Well, let yeah. me ask you, yeah. what are what are the things on your plate? What are the things that you think about? Because I know you're doing your film work. I, you've got so many things going on. How do you manage? What do you do for that? Uh, Manage-wise, I block the morning hours for creativity most of the times. Nice. And you're better in the mornings for that? Better in the mornings. I walk Good. my dog yep. and then I write. You know, like it's I, I tie these two things together. I pretty much finish my first draft of my feature film this way. So nice. it's just doing, you know, uh, like batching them up together. Yeah. Um, in the afternoons, I take meetings. Well, that's why, you know, I gave you the slots. It's like 12 to noon to two. Like those are my podcast hours. Yeah. I have clients meetings in the afternoon. In the evenings, I either read books or attend seminars or just go out, meet friends, networking, drink, eat, whatever, live a life. Um, so and you stick how... to that plan. That's that's pretty, pretty much your, your, your day. That's pretty much my day, but sometimes, wow. you know, if we have to adjust, we have to adjust. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well, that's good for you. I admire that so much because you're young and the fact that you know what is working for you at that age, at your age is like fantastic. And and that stick-to-itiveness, as they say, is really great. Fantastic. Excellent. Oh, thank you. I just I just decided this is good for me and I'm gonna stick with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think it's we, we really have to think about ourselves that way. And I think empowerment is just such a big thing. Um, I'm actually giving a keynote speech on imposter syndrome wow. um, in two weeks. So I'm developing that as well. And, you know, I'll just give that away to my artist friends. I'll be looking forward to hearing that from oh. you. Yes, I will pass it on to you as well. Well, because everyone, <laughs> everyone can suffer to some degree, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone thinks and, and what we tell ourselves can be so detrimental and so empowering. It, yeah. it really can, that pendulum swings in, in different ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Amazing. 
So how can people find you? So I'm easy to find. Um, castingactorscast.com. That's castingactorscast, all one word.com. There's a place that you can fill out a form. You can send me a message. Um, there's also some freebies on there. Like folks can get a free book or see my video on casting secrets, what they don't tell you. Um, and so there's some freebies there. But any message that you send through the website is the best way to get a hold of me for sure. So or the email address would be castingactorscast.com at gmail.com if you wanted to send me an email. That's equally equally good. I do my absolute best, Yi Jing. I, I do my best to return every email that I get. I know. <laughs> it might not come in the timeliest of ways for some folks, but I do my I'm dedicated to making sure I can help as many people out there that are asking those kinds of questions. I do whatever I can to help. You're certainly one of the most approachable casting directors out there. Oh, thank you. And I think actors, you really should take this, take advantage of this opportunity and submit. Like, it doesn't cost you a thing to submit. (laughs) So just submit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, it's fun for me. And uh, because I've seen so many self-tapes over, you know, during COVID. And and you know what? To pass this along as well, self-taping is not going to go away. Even if the virus were to disappear, we have found this to be such an important uh, economical, a smart way to see first round actors in the first round, whether it be film, television or theater. Mm -hmm. So knowing how to do excellent self tapes is so critically important to your skill set as an actor. And that's why I, 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 a lot of my podcasts are the common mistakes in self-tapes and I'm valuating self-tapes. It's really important. And sadly, the burden of being able to be good at self-taping falls again on the actor. Now you have to be a director and a producer and an editor and no lighting and so you have to know all that stuff. But once you get that, once you understand what that looks like, you can do the most important thing, which is focus on your acting. See, the self-tape is really there for us to be able to see your work. All of those technical things are secondary, yeah, but equally important. If something is taking me out of watching you, then that diminishes your audition. And so you want to make sure that you're setting yourself up. So taking a little time, listening to the podcast or just going online and searching good self-tape techniques, those kinds of things, just so that you can make that a default setting for yourself when you have an audition. Because like I said, they're not going away. And in fact, I think as the technology continues to grow and expand and change, you know, in 20 years, we'll be doing hologram auditions, three-dimensional pictures of ourselves doing auditions, I bet. Yeah, that's very likely. That's very likely, yeah. (laughs) Well, so great to have you on the show, Jeffrey. Thank you so much, E.J. It's a real pleasure. Thank you so much for offering so valuable tips and feedback and advice. And I think everybody should listen to it. And I look forward to reconnecting with you at some time later. And, you know, when my feature film is, we have it up and running, I want to hire you to cast. I'm excited to participate any way that you need. And congratulations on all your success and best wishes with a great, great show continuing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And congrats again on the 75,000 downloads. Oh, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) But who's counting? Oh, I am. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me. You're now one step closer to having the creative life and career you want. If you would like to deepen the work, 
go visit coaching.yiqingzhao.com to find out how to work with me. Or you can hang out with me on Instagram at yiqingzhao1222. If you would like to receive a freebie, seven questions to get you unstuck, please subscribe to my newsletter. You will love it. All right. I'll see you next time. In the meantime, take care. Happy creating. Bye.